Welcome to Sports Jerks, land of the hot take and home of Josh and Danny Danny Darts. Danny, Mr. Darts, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good, man. I, I appreciate that one. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate. Did you that like one. that? Intro? I like. Did that. you like that intro? I did like that one a lot. So thank you for incorporating me. I'm all. I'm all. I'm all blushing and stuff. Thanks, buddy. Honestly, I think that's like the most popular song of of the last decade, and I don't even have any children. You don't have any children yet, Mister Real Estate Mogul. Josh is making moves. I'm gonna <laughs> announce it to the whole audience here. Josh is making moves. Josh, congrats on all the happenings that are going on. You're very busy time, but you're never too busy to sit down with me and chat. So thanks, buddy. Seriously. Oh, this is the highlight of my week, sir. Before we get into it, let's turn it to our resident badass, Izzy, in the corrections department. Hey, oh, there are no real corrections from last week. Although Dan suggesting a Big Brother house for NBA All-Stars is basically wrong. Ma- See you next week, jerky crew. Yeah, that was kind of disrespectful, I felt yeah. like. Uh, I saw you take it. I saw you take it to social media. You took your idea to social media, and honestly, it did not get as beat up as I thought it would. The suggestion of bringing together the NBA All-Stars and putting them in a house in the middle of the summer so that they can play games and (laughs) compete in in odd games is kind of wild. I'm bursting at the seams here because I think it's such a good idea, man. And you know what? It it didn't get lit up on social media. It didn't get, like, shit on, but it didn't get, like, I thought I was going to blow up, man. I thought I was going to be able to quit my job, and I thought it was like a pitch pitch man thing, and someone's going to pick it up and say, oh, you know what? I think we could finance that. Who's that Smart guy that came with that idea, but I've evolved my idea. Think about this. Can I? Can I? Before we get started, okay. can, I, can yeah, I throw I'm this ready. at you? Yeah. Okay. So not not limited to just one. Now I don't know. How, the logistics of this are for people much smarter than I and much more well compensated okay. than I. There's a lot of people more well compensated than I. So <laughs> take your pick. But I'm thinking not just the NBA All Stars or not just the NHL and so on and so forth. The top All Stars from all the sports, and obviously in a post COVID <laughs> world in the big brother house <laughs> so you got lebron honest... you got trevor bowers in there throw in like I'd actually be really entertaining right like throw in It'd be enter- yeah i don't know ryan reeves or i don't know sorry i'm getting too excited i'm getting ahead of myself go ahead <laughs> honestly i think that it would be super entertaining but here are two major flaws with this number one like i said they, they're not going to leave their families <laughs> And number two, you would need a budget of based on how much just the people that you mentioned make per day. You would need a budget if I just doing some quick mental math here about one hundred and fifty million dollars to put the show on. So, I mean, I just I like where your head's at. I think, uh, you know, maybe for the G League we talked about, yeah. like, you know, maybe something like that. They they play these games and then that gets them a 10 day contract or something with some busted franchise like the Sacramento Kings. But I digress, my favorite saying. Let's get into the NBA. So the Raptors have been plagued by COVID. We've seen it. It's been going on a while. It started with the coaching staff. It eventually resulted in five players being out for the last two weeks, uh, three of them being starters, Fred Van Vliet, OG, Siakam, and then off the bench, Malachi Flynn and Patrick McCaw. Everyone is back as of Wednesday night except for OG. Apparently he's coming soon. Raptors are on a six-game losing streak, though. Your dog is losing its mind. I know. I'm literally about to go down there with my headphones on. They're not even wireless. I'm about to run down there and and, and with everything attached still, with my microphone, I'll fucking hold it like a candlestick. I'll keep fucking hosting the show and I'm going to bash him with it. <laughs> no, or alternatively for people that are listening daniel would never daniel would never do that to his dog. because I, I i i condemn animal abuse i will go outside and i will bash whoever he's barking at 
man, woman, or child. <laughs> How dare they walk by? How <laughs> dare they walk by? Okay, so Raptors six game losing streak. Like I said, Lowry, poor guy, tried to hold it down, mm. but he couldn't get the he couldn't get the wins. The interesting thing though is Norman Powell. In the last seven games, so this is including last night, where he snapped, he's averaging over 30 points a game. What do you think about that? Man, when I saw that, okay, so I had kind of clued into, obviously, there's rumblings all over the league, as usual, this time of year, um, about teams being interested in Norm Powell. So I got to thinking, I, I thought to myself, you know, don't we have, didn't we sign this guy just a little while ago? I thought we just signed him like two years ago. It's been four years already. Oh it my has goodness! Been. Yeah, so since it the has since been. the GoDaddy piano playing commercials that he was <laughs> in, and and, yeah. and the the so called GoDaddy curse when you know he wasn't really quite living up to expectations at first. I think in this latter, I guess last year, I mean, you might might say it's the contract year effect, but even going back into last year, he's been you know yeah. a pretty good player, man. He's been fantastic. However, I don't think he's long for the Raptors. Interesting. You think he's gonna get? You think he's gonna get moved before the deadline, or you think he's just gonna test free agency and get paid out? Well, I, I'm gonna hope that you know they'd get something for him, right? Because I mean, what team couldn't use that right now, right? right. I mean, if, you know, provided yeah. provided the numbers fit, of course. Um, right. But I, I I don't think that you know it's one of those players that you you give him that four year contract, or you give him that you know not quite short term, not quite long term deal to kind of squeeze out you know the value out of his prime years. And I, right. I think that like a beautiful ripe Florida orange, I think we've squeezed all, you know, all that goody, goody stuff out of them, um, <laughs> so whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't want to get, I don't yeah. want to say anything that could be too construed as gross there, but I think we squeezed it all out of them. We got like the value that we needed. We got a championship, right? Like, so, you know, yeah. when you sign yeah. a contract, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he's been he's been really hot and cold for us. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's shown glimpses that he can be super dominant. Mm-hmm. We saw it. He's had playoff times in the playoffs where he's just snapped. It's just when he goes cold, he goes so cold. Mm-hmm. And I, I I can almost guarantee he's going to be looking at that you know fifteen to twenty million a year mm-hmm. next year. And for a guy that's coming off the bench, and I've said it before, and I will say it again. When you bet a lot of money on really small or undersized guards, it's often a bad bet. That's my major beef with somebody like Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, Powell is not on the same level as Fred. Mm-hmm. I think Fred is substantially better and substantially more consistent. But it's kind of the same premise of he's a small guard. When he loses a step, what utility does he bring? Does, is he a Chris Paul level, you know, passer? Does he have handles like Kyrie? These guys have found a way to win, you know, at kind of, you know, every day in and out, multiple skills. If something's not working, they can lean on something else. So it's kind of like, okay, Powell, he is super athletic and he does have a nice stroke, but when he's off, he's really off. So I don't want to put that much money into a guy like that. That being said, though, he's been fucking hot lately yeah 43 and i love points. to watch him when he's hot 43 points i love to watch him when he's hot too he's a he's, he's so entertaining when super he's hot, exciting right? so 43 points but again he just smells like uh, an overpay candidate like some team's gonna come in and they're gonna overpay him right like not expecting even which the is last, possible which is possible and i think just like the last couple of years you know they're not expecting the last couple of years of whatever contract he gets at this time to be especially productive, but you see it everywhere, right? The guys who are able to age gracefully have some sort of above average or premier tool, right? Whether it's passing right. or whether it's shooting. So they can at least, when everything else is gone in the latter stages of their career, at least they can sit back mm-hmm. on that. Look at Joe Thornton for the Leafs. The guy can't fucking move. 
right? <laughs> but when he's still in the right position, he can still dish it to anybody, right? He still gets out. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah, he sees the ice like no one like no one else, really, even if he is moving a little slower. Yeah, so it's exciting now because, well, it's weird. It's weird because we had this COVID situation with the Raptors. So, of course, they dropped, right? Um, it's really hard to evaluate their play, obviously, when they're missing all their starters, right? Yeah, yeah. It's impossible to evaluate their play. And like you said just before the show when we were chatting, they could shoot back into sixth or fifth place like, like that, right? It could be in the span exactly. of a week or two. So um, it's hard to evaluate them right now, but <clears throat> pardon me. It is it is exciting as the season kind of you know gets towards that sort of penultimate half there. Um, yeah. That you know now we can sort of kind of say who's going where, or people are people staying? Or are they going to ride it out? Are they going to let them walk? I don't know. Right. Kyle Lowry's really interesting. I mean, he made some comments a little while ago, kind of maybe priming the fan base, saying, you know, I want to retire a Raptor no matter what. That softens the blow a little bit. If he gets traded, I guess. Like, I don't know. The Lowry one, I, I kind of thought he was going to be moved by now if he was going to be moved. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of anticipating he's going to end up riding out the season mm-hmm. here. And, I, and I'm and i starting to think, like, just the way that Masai has kind of, like, like I said, like with the Fred Van Vliet, signing it's like they're gonna pay guys almost for loyalty at this point right because when fred hit the open market i think that he thinks and a lot of you guys that are big fans of mr fred thought that he was gonna have some massive payday and somebody was gonna pick him up but then when he hit the open market nothing but crickets and then we end up paying that premium because he's been loyal to the team he got us a championship okay he deserves it but no one wants him it's it I say this almost every week. It's an economics thing. If nobody wants him, then what is his value in money? And it's not just a points production, $2. It's also what somebody is willing to pay. And that's what I worry about Norm is that he can go off. So when he hits the open market, is it going to be crickets? If I had to guess, I think it's going to be because they see an inconsistent player and then I worry that we're going to oversign. That being said, I think that if Lowry doesn't get traded... I do think, again, out of loyalty, they'll keep signing him. They'll let him retire here. Hopefully, it's on a team-friendly deal. Um, you know, but it's hard to say. But going back to what you said, the Raptors are 17-23. and 23. Um, They're on a losing skid, as I said. They sit 11th in the East. The good thing is, outside of the Nets, the 76ers, and the Bucks, there is a ton of parity in the conference. You know, fourth division, uh, fourth place down to 12th is only separated by a few games. They're only three games back of the Knicks and the Celtics that are tied and sitting at 20 and 20 in the seventh and eighth spot. The Knicks have actually been, you know, one of the biggest surprises uh, this year. Everyone was kind of wondering if they were going to actually manage to win like even 10 games. And now look at them. Obviously, they've been going back through, you know, really awesome, you know, kind of resurgence from a guy like Julius Randle, who I love to see. And, uh, for uh, one of our listeners, I know he's a big Kentucky fan, and he loves uh, he loves himself some Julius Randle, so there's his shout-out. But it's interesting. I think now everyone's back. They're healthy. Hopefully OG will be back in a few days. You know, they'll get back into the swing of things after their COVID break, and, and maybe it'll even be for some of them, you know, a nice rest, and they can come in hot and win, win some basketball games. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's exciting. It's only exciting because of that parody, actually. I, that's so fun, you know, just a couple wins or losses uh, either way. Changes the whole landscape of everything. And I just love seeing, we're talking about the East right now, but I love seeing kind of different teams towards the top and towards like the top middle in the standings. Like I know Utah has been obviously on the ups for a little while now. Um, and, and to see them leading the West is extremely exciting. 
Definitely. Um, to see the Knicks, like you said, having a bit of a resurgence. Their fans are so owed that. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, to, for them to win basically any games for Knicks fans at this point is just fan-fucking-tastic because they've been just colossally trash. And, like, on and off the court, like, they've been getting into, arg- like, ownership's getting into arguments with Spike Lee, who's their biggest, like, he's literally your biggest fan, and he's been there for, like, 30 years. I mean, they're just, they've been a bit of a shit show, so seeing them win is kind of good. Um, the Atlanta Hawks right now, they're playing some exciting basketball. Mm-hmm. They're on a six-game winning streak. Trey Young. My man, my boy, my dog. I actually love watching him play. He's really he's pretty inconsistent at this point too. He either snaps uh, for forty or he has fourteen points. I mean, I think for him though, it's kind of just age. He's a shooter. Mm-hmm. He's uh, you know he's learning to carry a team. Um, you know, obviously he's always going to be held in the same conversation as Luka Doncic because they obviously were traded for one another. But that being said, I think his future is super bright. I think we are looking at a perennial all-star. I think as we, you know, we start to see like an aging Chris Paul, you know, Kyrie's probably, at, you know, getting into the back half of his career. A lot of the all-stars right now are in their 30s, which we know means, you know, eventually, you know, father time, father time does not miss any shots. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So Trey Young, I feel like he is the future, uh, you know, especially of Atlanta Hawks basketball. And then the fact that they got Collins and Capella clogging up the middle, that is a dope tandem. So I like watching them. I don't think they're really a threat, but, you know, they're winning games right now. And then, like you said, uh, Utah you know, top of the division. They've been there for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, Donovan Mitchell has been disrespected so much about whether or not he can carry a team. Mm-hmm. You know, Rudy Gobert is also one of those guys that, you know, everybody kind of just overlooks because he's not the flashiest guy, right? Like, he's he's a blocks, rebounds kind of dude, but he holds it down, and he can score too. So, I mean... They're really fun to watch. The same with the Suns right now. Chris Paul has brought that franchise up. Devin Booker needed him to get, you know, so he didn't have to be always the ball handler. Now he can do what he does best and he can put up points. And then they got Aiton down the center. He's another young stud that, you know, 14 and 14. I can't wait. I'm excited, man. Yeah, the Suns were exciting going all the way back to the bubble, which seems like a lifetime ago. Yes, right? you're right. So now that, you know, the, the talk shortly after the bubble was, you know, how real was that? How authentic was that? You know, was that just a small yep. sample size? So it's cool to see, I mean, in Phoenix's case and a lot of the other teams who saw limited success in the bubble, it's nice to see that it's actually like a sustainable kind of long-term thing. Um, I, I'm really excited about, you know, that. Sh- I always love when we're on the cusp of like, you know, those all-star superstars and that sport. Every sport is always kind of on the cusp of like those those celebrated, just classic guys that you grew up with now starting to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, transition to the twilight of their careers. And then you got all these young, new studs. And for guys that are our age, you know, you and me, we're late 20s. Wink, Joshy, I got you there, buddy. (laughs) We're late 20s gentlemen here. And, uh, you know, to see these young guys come up early 20s, late teens, and and tear it up at any level in any sport uh, is so exciting. But um, I digress, Joshua. I'm really excited to see (laughs) how the rest of the season plays out. And yeah. I want to know one thing, though. Um, Tell me. And, and I'm really interested in this. I saw people online talking about Fred Van Vliet for Defensive Player of the Year. I thought that was a little crazy. I know you're not a, I know you're not a big Fred Van Vliet Van <laughs> proponent. Yeah. But how, how silly is that take? Is that like a hot take or a stupid take? Uh, I mean, uh, I would say it's probably a hot take. I don't know if it would be too stupid of a take. He, you know, he he does what he needs to do. He can lock it down on. He, you know, he can lock it down as you know for his size. I think I would have to do some deep diving in the numbers. Maybe we could talk about it um, 
you know, more in depth last week, but just at like a top level, when I'm watching him play, he is a solid defender. That is definitely one of the skills that he has. You know, it's pretty rare for a guy his size, unless like they're amassing like three steals a game to really kind of get that defensive player of the year. It usually will go to a big that can get blocks and, and really just kind of guard multiple positions. Cause that's one thing that Fred can't really do, right? Sure. He can, he can lock down your point guard, shooting guard. It's very rare. He's going to kind of get into it and start guarding like the, you know, your three or your four. Right. So, I mean, hot take for sure. Um, stupid take. Uh, no, I don't think so as much as I would like to call out, uh, you know, any Fred Van Vliet lovers, but yeah, I'm excited, man. Utah, the Suns, you know, just seeing different teams mixing it up. I will say though, it, it still feels far fetched to think that either of those teams beats uh, LeBron and AD team in the playoffs, even if they're winning right now. Yeah, no way, no. And it's just going to be like we saw in the East with the Raptors before their championship, you know, finishing right. up in the top, finishing up in the top, video game numbers, 35 wins and two losses, and then just walking into a matchup with LeBron and at some points putting up a good fight. Uh, but yep, for the most part, looking like a high school basketball team, it's just a completely different game, completely different LeBron. Completely different yeah. LeBron's team. I'm not even going to use like the name of the franchises anymore because just any any LeBron team just. is just <laughs> it, it seems to function yeah. similarly, right? And of course it does because what works works. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's impossible for me to see. Um, despite that, I, I I still think it's um kind of a flash and something that again like he's load managing all season, right? So he's not even playing all that much. You know, not as you not as much as he would. Um, right. So he's just resting up and it's the game plan from the very beginning. And with COVID, I think it's more kind of, I think for everybody, you know, this is just a, even a wider discussion, just everybody being able to take some time off here or there when they need it, just in the, in the span of the last year, year and a bit now. Um, and you're seeing that now in basketball with load management, it kind of took the spotlight with Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors, right? I guess we, yeah. we finally put a term on it, load management. Um, and that's been something that's been used all across sports, all across life, which is great. Everybody needs a break. Right. And I think that, you know, you don't want to push and grind people down. Um, but it's more out in the open now and it's more out in the open that LeBron is rested. He's ready. And Ladad James is coming in to fucking get hot <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, I love a good Ladad James. Okay. Yeah. Su- super exciting times in the NBA right now. We're back from the all-star break. Glad to see it. Love seeing the games up there. Hopefully the Raptors can turn it around now that they got a full squad back. You know, mm-hmm. looking forward to the to the back half of this NBA season. Moving on. Dan, I know you. I know your love for the great game of baseball. Opening day is coming. April 1st. We are less than two weeks away from opening pitch. I'm excited. I know you're excited. I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited. I'm excited to, to watch baseball, watch Blue Jays baseball, watch MLB baseball around the league. Uh, there's nothing better than getting home, having dinner, watching a nice 7 o'clock first pitch, you know, chilling, and then watching a 10 o'clock first pitch to take you into, uh, you know, some much-needed slumber at the end of a weekday. <laughs> but, um, you know, on the other side, just, just playing baseball, being out in the sun. I'm excited to play with you, Joshua. Hopefully our league is not affected by this COVID business uh, as much as it was yeah, last year. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but one thing that jumps out at me again, and we talked about this last week with Mr. Nate Pearson uh, a couple days ago, re-aggravated that yep. right groin and has experienced a setback. So, uh, not inspiring. Not inspiring. Not words. inspiring. No. Um, and with, of course, Jake Odorizzi, like we talked about 
already being nabbed. I can't remember where he went. Oh, yeah, the asterisks. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he went to the asterisks. And I got to say that as many times <laughs> as I can. The asterisks. <laughs> so. Yeah, even though, we, even though we have one of their best players on our team now, we get Mr. No. George Springer's. I don't care. <laughs> i love it i love it i agree man uh the nate pearson one it scares the hell out of me just because i love him i want to watch that man play baseball i want to watch him play baseball a lot Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's like when we look at our team right now it's like okay our lineup batting wise solid like sure the guy you know we got a lot of young players they got to step up there you know there's a few you know, question marks out there. But in general, going into the season, this is pretty much as good as a lineup can get, right? And mm-hmm. and we added George Springer. We got S- Semyon. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if he is a shell of who he was, I know he had a bat. He, he, you know, he, he's had a rocky last year or so, but he's not that far removed from his MVP type season. So if he even can get to 70% of that, we are a threat to any team on any given night. But pitching comes down to, we got Ryu, obviously is our ace, but if Pearson is out, then we're putting out Robbie Ray, Matt, Roark, and then basically we're going to Ross Stripling as our fifth. Mm-hmm. Most so likely. I don't like, I don't, even, I don't even think question marks is a good enough way to explain the fact that this just isn't going to be good enough. No, I would call them exclamation marks if I had to. It's, just like, <laughs> it's, it's hazardous. Uh, to my health as a spectator. No, I'm just kidding. That's that's dramatic. But um, yeah, no, it's not even question marks at that point. It's like it's it's like what ifs, um, right? Or it's like a, a fifty dominoes that have to all fall perfectly in place, right? Um, I mean, their pitchers are looking good in spring training now. You know how yep. however much weight you put to that is you know up to you, right? Um, the batting lineup, like you said, the lineup just on name value alone and track record, you know, uh, a lot of them are young, but the track record for guys like Bichette and Gurriel Jr., right, is is sparkling. Uh, yep. So you don't worry about them. Interesting tidbit about Mr. Vlad Jr. So he's been, you know, every time you watch him, he pounds the ball into the ground, right? He's got a really bad problem with ground balls and that kind of negative launch angle that he's got going on. Right. Um, right. It's very small sample size, um, but his launch angle is completely reflected upwards, in spring Fantastic. training so far. So I don't know, like I said, um, I don't know how much weight you want to put into the numbers like that, um, but it's encouraging, right? Especially, it's, yeah, it's all different teams. Yeah, that, right. That was something that we knew he kind of needed to work on, right? It was like his exit velocity and his swing speed has been like almost top 10 in the MLB. Yeah, like you said, he's driving balls into the ground. And they had asked him, are you going to work on trying to, change your trajectory of your swing to try to hit you know longer balls he had basically said no but that he's working on hitting line drive so it's kind of like uh you know is it like just like a tomato tomato type situation where you know he doesn't want to admit that he's trying to like change his trajectory because then people might think like oh he just wants to crush bombs right Mm -hmm. so he's basically saying no fuck you guys i'm just trying to make solid contact um regardless though i love to see it yeah i love to see it too and even if he does just you know if he does just kind of go for line drives that's fine just hit the ball hard because he hits the ball hard and really the only reason he has any fucking batting average or any hits right now is because he hits it so hard he hits it into the ground and he gets lucky enough most of the time that it trickles through a random spot right and I think right. nothing is more. I always think back to his very first career hit when he kind of st- smacked it and snuck it up the first baseline just inside the bag. Mm. 
And I was mm-hmm. like, when I first saw that, right, and during his debut, I was like, look at this guy, man. He can use the whole field. He can use the whole field. And now after watching him for like a year and a half, you're like, okay, this guy just pounds into the ground and he gets lucky because it sneaks through because he's got that, you know, that exit velo. Um, but I'd like to see him get the ball in the air. Like I was saying, it's a different team. If if he breaks out, it's a it takes this team from already great. The lineup is already great. It takes them to like upper echelon, you know, perhaps top four in the league, top five, right? The Dodgers still exist and they take up like three spots on their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I, I think it takes them to the upper echelon. I just, uh, there's not much more that we can really say right now without the games being played, right? It just looks like a super strong yeah. uh, uh, lineup, incredibly strong bullpen. Um, and a, and a subpar rotation. Um, again, like I said last week, lucky for us that the Yankees are sort of in a similar situation. The Red Sox have a sort of underrated lineup. I'm not worried about them really at all. Their rotation is kind of in shambles too. Um, they got good players like Raf Devers, uh, Dalbeck, their first baseman, I think is an up and coming guy. He can hit the ball. Um, the Rays are the Rays, right? They're, they're going to sneak their way through somehow into the top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yep. then you got Baltimore, which is again, I'm not going to waste my breath. <clears throat> I'll do that instead. <laughs> Very disrespectful to uh, Chris Davis and the Baltimore Orioles, but I, I totally agree. I mean, the a couple players, I you know, one guy that I know, you know, I I don't know if the numbers really agree with me, but every time I watch him, I just think, I'm like, damn, this guy's got so much potential, and that's TJ Zoic. Mm-hmm. Like, every time I've seen him in AAA, he looks like a stud, and any time he's come up for us from, you know, the games that I've actually been able to lay my eyes on him and, you know, you know, that's why I say sometimes, you know, the eye test is like, he looks really good. So he's a guy that, although he's probably not going to start off in the big club this year, I kind of hope that, you know, he can take some steps forward because you can't teach six, seven. Another guy I'm really excited about is good old Canadian boy, Markham boy. He's got the same barber as Dan during COVID, I think. <laughs> and that is uh, Jordan Romano. He looked amazing during the shortened season last year obviously he had uh you know he had that injury that took him out but i think you know if he if he continues to develop and he looks like he did last year we might have a stud on our hands yeah i love romano and i think he is you know kind of already earned that seven eight inning spot if not potentially well i guess kirby yates we have kirby yates now so i mean maybe it's performance dependent um but definitely a high leverage role he was he was studly for us man yeah, um, you know, unfortunate. He did get hurt the end of last season, I believe. Right? He didn't finish the season. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. yeah. He missed quite. He missed quite a bit of time. Yeah, he missed quite a bit of time, but he was promising before that. On the topic of TJ Zoic, everything that we've seen so far, and he so flies under the radar. You're so right about that. He probably flies under the radar probably the most uh, of the Blue yep. Jays' young pitchers. Um, I always get a little worried when there's someone that's highly touted and then like they kind of stall for a bit. I always get a little bit worried about those kind of guys. Um, mm. You know. Uh, you've seen that again across all sports. You'll see that, right? A rising star, and then maybe they have a hitch. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen to Nate Pearson. I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, I'm crossing yeah. my toes. You don't even want to know what else I'm crossing. I won't even show you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best. Um, uh, but TJ's like like you said, super underrated. Romano's fantastic. Um, and and I I like I said, it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do this year because they can go either way. They can blow up, and it can be really bad, and they can get six yeah. seven runs scored against them every day. Um, yeah. or they can lock it down and just find success. Like I, I don't have a lot of faith in Roark. I do have a lot of faith in Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling though. I do. A lot, a lot of faith might be a little excessive for me, but I have some faith. Yeah. Maybe not Ray. I think I should actually separate them. Not Ray, but Stripling. I do. I think Stripling will be really good. He's super underrated. I hope so. Yeah. He's super underrated. Yeah. 
I hope um, so. Ar- around the league, anything that sort of um, jumps out at me, let's go and look at the AL Central, right? We have the White Sox who are, I think the White Sox and the Twins are probably poised to ballot out for that division, right? Josh yeah, Dawson, I think the White Twins. Sox... Yeah, I think White Sox right now in the power rankings are sitting in about fifth place. Fifth place league-wide. Yeah, league-wide going, oh, okay. going into the season. Going into the season. From what I had, was reading today, it's going Dodgers 1, Padres 2, Mets 3, Yankees 4, mm-hmm. White Sox 5. And on this particular list, the Blue Jays were slotted in as uh, 6. Really? Yeah, which was kind of it was kind of wild to me, but I mean, it could have been just like uh, one of those. Let's just have a hot take. But I mean, right now we are two weeks away from opening day. We do have to move along. We love baseball, so like time just starts to tick away. So that was basically (laughs) our our intro to the Blue Jay season. We're gonna be, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit more as the season goes on, and I am super excited, as I know are you, Danny Darts. Moving on, this topic. Um, kind of came from a little bit of an Instagram, you know, conversation that I had with uh, several people in uh, in our DMs. I posted a picture of Carey Price, a drawing of him where it said overpriced on the back of his jersey. Um, not to say that I necessarily think he's overpriced, but my point was that, you know, I just posed the question, can he go deep in the playoffs? That being said, you know, it, it created a lot of conversations about legacy what is important when you look back at a player's legacy? And for me, and this is what came down to it for Carey Price, when Carey Price inevitably ends his career, will the fact that he will not win a championship and has not been able to make a great playoff run take away from his legacy as a very, very good goalie? So before we kind of kick off the conversation, you know, one of the retorts was basically, okay, so then here are 10 players that by your standard are better than Wayne Gretzky because they have more titles. And that obviously is ridiculous, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's not just about winning or else Kyle Kuzma already has a title. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like J.R. Smith has two and he's not very good. Will Perdue has four NBA championship rings and he never averaged more than five points a game, but he happened to be on with Michael Jordan's Bulls during the 1990s. So it's not to say that winning and winning titles is the only thing. It has to be coupled with everything. But Dan, I ask you, how important is winning when looking at a player's legacy? It's sort of important. And let me let me go ahead and let me just detail that for you. So, it, of course, we know there's more to it than that. It's more nuanced than that. And it's it comes down to the individual player's performance. So let me throw another player at you. Clayton Kershaw. Yes. As right. good as it gets. As good yep. as it gets. Shits the bed in the playoffs like clockwork. But he's won a title now. Now he has. Now he has. Right. But that's the thing. We're going to look at like the entire career of, of a person. And at the end, if he manages to sort it out, well, what I was trying that to get plays to, a big factor. He doesn't convince factor. me. He doesn't convince, sorry to cut you off there. He doesn't convince me still. It was a shortened fucking year. <laughs> I don't care. Dodgers fans, come at me. It was a shortened year. You guys, <laughs> okay. you guys had, okay, listen, the Dodgers were there for like three, four years. So it's eventually about time that they got it, right? That's a pretty good measuring stick for being the best team in the league. So it's about time right. that they got their World right. Series. They got cheated out of one, too, by the Astros. So I'm just, big you know, time. I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. But I'm still not actually sold. I still honestly need to see Clayton Kershaw come out with the Dodgers this year. Pitch well in the playoffs again and get the championship. 
I do. But then what what does that that makes him what one of the 10 best pitchers of all time? Like what level like when Clayton Kershaw's career ends, you wouldn't argue whether or not he was great. But you would argue whether he was you know a uh, generational type player. Yeah, but there has to be that footnote every time. If say he didn't win the championship, right? right. Last year. There has to always be right. that footnote, but then he cratered in the playoffs. It's different if you're Carey Price going to the playoffs and you're standing on your head and you're ultimately the team effort loses you everything. You lose it. Right. But Clayton Kershaw right. single-handedly bogged down his team at many points in the postseason. Right. So I feel like it has to be more than just a little footnote at the end. I feel like you can't kind of get past that. You know what I mean? Like okay. It was more of yes. a, a single-handed. I think you have to take in the, the, the player's performance individually. And right. if it... If that got overshadowed or that wasn't enough to overcome bad team play overall or bad management or bad whatever, right? right? So Clayton right. Kershaw, I don't think those Dodgers missing out on those World Series the last couple of years, you know, 2016, 17, 18, 19, I don't think, I think you could place a large chunk of the blame on him. And so in that sense, now he's got the championship now. So some people would say, he's done it. He's done it. Demons are exercised. Never mind the last three years of fucking five ERA. It's all exercise. Right. And you can say, no problem. He battled and finally won. I could buy that narrative. I can buy that narrative. So, okay. So if I, inter- let me interject. So if he, let's say he didn't win the title last year. So then you're in agreement with me is that you have a player who's been fucking fantastic. But then when the going got tough, he couldn't sort it out. And for me, that is Carey Price. Every year he puts up insane numbers. He also, unlike Kershaw, he did have a few playoff runs where his numbers were fantastic, but the team in front of him couldn't get it done. But for me, when all the dust settles and it's 20 years after their career and we're talking about them, are they a generational type player? Are they in the GOAT conversation? Is this a player that, you know, changed the sport in any way, I think that you have to win. Yeah, I have to disagree. I disagree with you there, actually. I would say in 20 years, I'm going to say, actually, Carey Price did change the landscape of goalies. I think I do. And especially not only just in the way he plays, but also in the amount of moolah that's being relegated to goalies. I think it changes the whole landscape. Even though he didn't win anything, I do still think, and of course, because he plays for a hockey mecca like Montreal... I do still think that right. we'll be looking back and saying, okay, um, we can say Carey Price is in the top 10 conversation of all time, despite not having a cup. Uh, yeah, see, you, lo- you lose me there, right? Mm-hmm. Because then it's like, how does he compare to Marty Brodeur? Marty Brodeur won Vesnas. He won, he stole playoff series. He won multiple cups. You have Patty Waugh. He did the same thing. Go back in the day, Johnny Bauer doing the same thing. You know, like you have, you know, Terry Sawchuck. You have these goalies that did these amazing things. But they won. Because if you go back, you might have been, I, I don't know, maybe you were a little bit too young. When Curtis Joseph was at the top of his game, that guy was fucking unreal mm-hmm. to watch. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. He changed hockey landscape for goalies in Toronto like I've never seen. Everyone wanted the dog helmets. Everybody wanted to be like Cujo. But at the end of the day, he didn't win. And now... 20 years later, 10 years later, whatever it is, I'm dating myself like I'm 58 now, <laughs> but now a good amount of time has passed and it's like, you're not even going to remotely consider him in the top 10, top 20, even top 30 because he never got it done. And that is not just his fault. The Leafs in front of him a lot of the time, they just didn't have the tools to get there. It's not like I'm blaming them, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. that it it plays a factor. Like, let's go, let's turn to, you know, somebody like Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. right? 
insane numbers, phenomenal player, multi-time all-star. He has almost like I I don't quote me, we'll have to look it up, but the number of triple doubles he has is is record-breaking at least for this NBA, but he's never won. He's never gone deep. He's had multiple chances to play with different players and different teams and different all-stars and he can't get it done. So eventually for me, he's not going to be in that conversation. It's kind of the same with Dan Marino. Dan Marino was a fucking legend, but you notice when people are talking about Tom Brady right now, nobody's comparing him to, to Dan Marino because Dan Marino never won. They're going to compare him to guys like Breeze. Look, they're already saying Mahomes is in the top five. Is that even fucking possible? <laughs> no, no. Honestly, it's probably not. But now he's won championships. He's won games. And now suddenly he's in the conversation. Charles Barkley, Carl Malone. These are legendary basketball players. But yet, they never won a title. So if you hear somebody talking about a top 10, they're not in it with Magic. They're not in it with LeBron. They're not in it with mm-hmm. Kobe. They're not. You know, what, you know what I'm getting at? You're right. You're right. Uh, Stockton, too. John Stockton. Uh, other players who never were able to win. You, you Honestly, you do present a very compelling... And you got me thinking. You got me thinking. Maybe it's that winning that grants them a national spotlight beyond being beloved in their own hometown. Because if you went to Montreal and said, Carey Price is shit, Carey Price is shit, then we're screwed. <laughs> that, that, that accent. <laughs> you, you, you get shit on. You get killed. Right. But right. if he won, now when he won the Olympic gold, I'm sure you were enjoying him. No, I still, I remember that time. I didn't even think he should have started. But this this conversation isn't about what I think of Carey Price. Because I said it, I think, on episode one. I don't think he's a championship-level goalie. I think he's a regular season kind of goalie. But that, that kind of is less than my point here. It's more so just, you know, when you're looking back at somebody's career, they have their individual accolades. So that is in one category. But then I always look, did they win? Are they winners? So Dan Marino. And winners... Overall, so Dan Marino is probably actually probably the best example. I'm, I'm glad you brought right. him up. They don't really, I guess, bring him up on a whim. First, second, third, fourth. He might not be one of the top guys you mentioned. It always seems to be obviously Dolphins fans, right? That would bring him up kind of first or second, right? Because it jumps quickly to their mind. Um, so, you know, maybe in just the public conscience, they don't get they don't really think about these players until they hoist that cup, and you know, the national spotlight is on them. Um, but I still have to say, I think if they are, again, it kind of limits their exposure because if you're a fantastic player, let's take like a, let's take like a Jose Bautista off the top of my head. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at a poster. Jose Bautista, let's say, um, led the league in home runs a couple years in a row, right? Led the Jays kind of out of mediocrity, led the Jays into, you know, the ALCS those couple years and then dropped off and just kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. He's only really talked about in beloved in Toronto now. Right, he had, a lot, right. he had a lot of community outreach. Right, he owned a couple of booster juice franchises in the city, and I think that it's not people's fault that they don't consider the players who never won to be in the top. I just think that they fade faster, and they're not—they don't get their name etched in stone. I think perhaps that's the purpose. In the national conscience, they just—it's not not anyone's fault of their own. I think just the exposure wanes, and you know, just the level that you can market yourself is such is such a limited level compared to if you win a chip like look at the raptors right like just the brand just the brand itself blew up you know nationally after they won the chip Mm -hmm. right so i I, it's it's a really really good conversation i'd like to extend this question uh we should make a post about this later i'd like to extend this question to to our 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 followers on instagram and you know just kind of out there i'd really like to hear more about that 
Um, but like, like, what, what do you think on that? Like, is that people's fault that they forget these players? Um, I mean, I think that part part of it I agree with, part of it I don't. I think there's players like Andre Vasilevsky. I think that he is a lot more well-known because he was on a winning team. Um, however, I think that players that are going to be in that like transcendent level, I think that it automatically, their skill, if you're just a fan, you're going to know them, you're going to watch them kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like LeBron James, for example. He, he, it doesn't matter what where he plays, you're going to watch. That is a generational type mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. Where somebody like Trey Young, at least right now, fantastic player, but chances are you're not going to watch a lot of Atlanta Hawks games. But if he consistently puts up 40 points a night, that is likely to change. But you're right. This is super interesting. I love talking about this. You know, we'll do a post. We're going to post some, you know, different players. And, and let's talk legacy because I think that it's something that differs, you know, so greatly from people, you know, person to person. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool topic. Moving on. Not for nothing, Dan. But I love to hear that Tiger Woods has signed a long-term deal with 2K. For everyone who hasn't heard, it was announced this week that the 2K interactive video game company has signed a long-term deal with Tiger Woods. So 2K has been making a run into the golf world for the last few years. They had the golf club, then they had the golf club 2, And since their newest edition is PGA Tour 2K21. So it's the first game that they actually put the 2K, you know, the 2K stamp on. And from what I understand, it is one of the, you know, the best golf games in quite some time. Tiger Woods obviously was the face of golf video games for a really long time. He was eventually dropped by EA in 2013 after the scandals, and he was replaced by Rory McIlroy. So EA, they, after replacing Tiger Woods, it was actually a very steady decline for that game until ultimately they ended up not running it anymore so 2k is you know they're on the rise and now they have attached their name to tiger woods so woods partnership with 2k includes the rights for his name and likeness to appear exclusively in the pga tour 2k franchise as well as any other games that 2k decides to publish during their partnership time woods will also play an active role in the video game landscape as an executive director and as a consultant with pga tour 2k While 2K will also partner with Woods TGR Foundation, which provides award-winning STEM curricula and college access programs to offer undeserved students the tools uh, needed to thrive in school and beyond. So it definitely, it's transcending video games, it's transcending golf, they're partnering on, you know, video games, but also working with him, you know, at more grassroots level to provide services to, 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 to students. I love it. I think it means that 2K is going to continue to dump money into this game. And I think money and time and personality is what is going to take this game to the next level. And as a gamer and somebody who typically does enjoy golf video games, I'm excited. Yeah. And you know what? But um, I always love when sports and video games that can be had in the same conversation because those are actually kind of the only two things like I know anything about outside those two realms. I really don't know shit about anything. I, I, I just learned you know, kind of how to walk straight in a straight line. I'm still working on that. But <laughs> sports and video games, love them. Um, another point on this, fuck EA, man. Right? We, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about, um, you know, all these sponsors and everybody kind of vilifying Tiger Woods back at that time. Fuck EA, man. Are you kidding me? A company I mean, that fucking, I don't know I'm if they sorry, had a Joshua. choice. I'm so sorry, man. I'm so goddamn <laughs> sorry. I'm going to stick my hand up at the screen. I got to stop you, man. I got to stop you. I'm so sick of EA. A team that, or not a team. That's not a team. That's not, not a fucking team. Nothing. No I and no, no nothing. 
know nothing about them. Nothing teamwork oriented at all. But I digress. <laughs> a team, a, 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 a developer that you know benefits off the backs of people. Okay, off of selling microtransactions and selling the same shitty game on the same shitty engine with the same shitty everything every single year, changing, <laughs> making more effort forward to, to change the cover athlete than the actual mechanics of the game, the graphics of the game. Gamers aren't stupid anymore. Okay. And gamers, especially gamers who also played sports on the side, may have been stupid in years past. Um, and they may have not, they may have been ignorant to these things, but games are becoming more high quality as we go along. And I think video gamers are demanding more out of their $90 Canadian now, sorry. Now, if it's next generation, $102 Canadian. So I think because of that, it's natural for now gamers to demand quality, to demand more out of their video games and EA specifically with the NHL franchise. I'm speaking specifically about NHL, but really anything that they that they come out with kind of turns to shit after a while, like the reverse Midas touch, the shyest touch, we'll call it. <laughs> EA has the shyest touch, right? And every year after year it's just the same stuff and then they market it in a way that's kind of insulting. So the fact that they were all high and mighty, I think they don't have a choice. Of course, they have lawyers who are more well compensated than I. I say that all the time, <laughs> but they have lawyers that obviously weighed the risk, right? And said, okay, we got to detach ourselves at this time being from Tiger. But then they never went back and said, well, hey, maybe we should try this again and maybe we'll take Tiger again. Maybe they didn't go back because they didn't think about it. Maybe they didn't go back because they're risk averse. But I love that 2K snooped in, swooped in and signed Tiger Woods to this because again, like you said, it attaches not only to video games, but also STEM research and having Tiger as sort of that, 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 that figure head, right? A marketing executive having, <clears throat> having him, you know, involved firsthand. I love it. I think it's great. Um, having his likeness exclusively in the game again, kind of further chokes EA away from having that. I mean, not that he's the biggest golfer in the, on the planet anymore, but name value he is likeness yes. he still is right yeah so mm -hmm. uh you know i i think that again competition is only good when it comes to these things right in the few years that um you know mlb games were only one developer and there was no sort of direct competition right the quality drops right but when you have two mm -hmm. kind of competing developers maybe the quality of both of them will will rise to the occasion right um but I, i'm excited well to hear ea that. doesn't make one anymore they don't make one anymore no more rory, rory mcelroy no, they stopped quite a few years ago. Oh, good. Okay, focus on ripping off fucking twelve-year-olds with FIFA. <laughs> uh, okay, speaking of EA, they're they're in, they're in, and we only have a couple minutes left, so I digress. I digress. I digress. I digest. <laughs> um, speaking of EA, they were embroiled in a little bit of a EA gate. Did you hear about this? No. Uh, an employee was found uh, manipulating the cards that people get in FIFA Ultimate Team and giving like the oh. best cards to like his close friends, like insider trading type thing. That's bad. Oh my god! So they halted oh all god. transactions for a day or two. They might yeah. still be halted. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Although I'm not sure they could go more than five minutes without that sweet, sweet 14 year old's credit cards, parents' credit card money. Oh but, yeah, I hate the microchange. Yeah, actions, it's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. But that's a whole. We can go on a whole episode about that. Um, but I just think that you know, evil practices. Consumers aren't as dumb as they were, and they're demanding better quality out of their games. I'm sorry, Josh. Let me move on to mine. Not for nothing, but I'm so tired of unnecessary kind of drama and unnecessary kind of storylines being thrust upon not just athletes in general, but like young athletes, especially at the NBA draft or, you know, any sort of draft. They always say, congratulations, this is the best year of your life. You've been drafted to, you know, so-and-so. 
but please tell us about the time that your mother and father were gunned down in an alley and you became <laughs> Batman and you fought crime in Gotham City and now here you are being drafted. They always kind of kind of damper it with some sort of like uh, entertainment tonight storyline. And the reason I got thinking about this was because um, there was a UFC clip that came to my attention and I'll play it now um, about the most random line I have ever heard and um, between uh, two fighters. And let me just play this for you here. have dealt with custody battles involving their children <laughs> what where does that come from i don't i have to apologize i don't quite know the context but if you have two guys engaging in a fist fight martial arts combat battle i don't know what context could possibly lead to both of these men have been involved in custody battles involving their kids <laughs> unless maybe maybe i missed it maybe the camera panned over to both those kids and you know <laughs> and they showed i still them. didn't think it's appropriate no like so i mean oh am, am God, i right here am yeah. i am i overreacting i heard that and right away it kind of got me thinking and i think that they try to sometimes shoehorn these human interest emotion stories into sports where they don't belong am i am i overreacting you're not overreacting. That is completely inappropriate by John Anik. Like, I hope that was just kind of like, you know, one of those, just like a brain fart, something he knew about both of them and he happened to bring it up because I'm at, like, if me and you were on air and you said that and uh, these two guys tend to uh, cheat on their wives, I'd be like, why would, why, like, oh my goodness, I heard that these two fine gentlemen both share the same hemorrhoid cream. It just seems really unnecessary. And you know what it reminded me of? If anybody has seen the movie Goon, there's a scene where the captain, the drunken captain, is standing in front of his team and he starts talking about the game and he's like we got to get in the corners and he's like but you know what i'm going through a divorce i have 50 percent of my things she can have the other half but she can't have mine that's mine hard work hard work that's mine they got they got divorced guys on their team and he just goes on this big rant where he's talking about really inappropriate things that have nothing to do with the game at all and i had that feel that feel here john anik uh, you got to do better, man. But I agree. I think that sometimes we, you know, like we've talked about, players are held to like this like extra different standard. And it's almost like that makes it okay to talk about things that are, you know, are not necessarily related to the job at hand, right? There are certain things where, you know, drug abuse or, you know, things that are happening outside of the arena of their sport that, you know, it, it does at least in some way affect what they're doing. So I get why it gets brought up. But in this case, in the middle of the fight, there is no reason why you're, you need to be talking about them, you know, having custody battles over their children. It was really weird. Yeah, no. And I, of course I appreciate a good, you know, um, uh, adversity, right. Overcoming adversity story. Those are things that are relevant to where, you know, where, how does someone go from potentially the bottom of the barrel, you know, uh, uh, dire straits, to the best day of their life on the national spotlight. Of course, that's always interesting. That'll never not be interesting. That's like a David versus Goliath battle, right? That's been interesting since the fucking Middle Ages or whenever that battle took place. But when it gets into stuff like that, where it starts getting like, again, like I never like to get too into the personal lives of athletes, right? I don't really care, right? They're not held up. Yeah. They're not supposed to be held up as You're role models or anybody yeah. particularly interesting. Um, mm -hmm. but a custody battle that kind of just crosses like the, it just crosses the line from like insight into a, into a fighter or a player's life and just kind of dark and like unnecessary. And, 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 and like, I almost feel like I was outside, like their living room window, like peeking in like a creep. 
Like, it just seems like, leave that stuff alone. I wonder what the fighters thought after that. <laughs> I, 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 like, why? Like hearing that. It's like, why? Oh, and uh, here comes Daniel. Um, you know, he's on a 10-fight winning streak. Uh, he peed the bed till he was 11. Uh, great BJJ. It's like, why? <laughs> like, it's so random. I know. I, I'm totally with you. That's really fucked. Uh, let's get into the final segment, my favorite segment, the Jerk of the Week. Okay, now, Dan, you brought this one to my attention. I actually have not heard of it until you brought it up, but I I watched the clip, I heard the clip, and it actually, like, stopped my heart for a second. I was like, because it, it just felt so hateful. Mm-hmm. The jerk of the week is Matt Rowan. And now I know you're listening and you're thinking, who's Matt Rowan? I don't know who Matt Rowan is. And of course you don't because he's just a loser. And he doesn't really provide much value to anything. Matt Rowan is a basketball commentator from Oklahoma. He was commentating on a girls' high school basketball game. I would also like to interject that he is a former youth pastor. Now, prior to the game, Norman High School's girls' basketball team decided to kneel during the national anthem. Not knowing that he was on a hot mic, he had this to say... And I quote it word for word. They're kneeling. Fuck them. I hope they lose. You're gonna you're gonna kneel like that. Hell no. And then he said fucking n words. Okay. And you know what the worst part is, Daniel? If it can't get any worse, since then, Mr. Rowan has come out and blamed it on the fact that he has diabetes. Now I cannot think of a more random, <laughs> ridiculous, asinine. <laughs> way to defend what you said here here's what he said again i'm gonna give quote before i let you even because i know you're gonna snap i can feel it i feel the energy okay he says i will state that i suffer from type 1 diabetes and during the game my sugar was spiking while not excusing my remarks it is not unusual when my sugar spikes that i become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful i do not believe i would have made such horrible statements absent my sugar spiking daniel i want to whip my phone at the wall it actually like you said it stops my heart and i i want to snap and like kind of have an over-the-top reaction to it but again it just kind of weighs me down and breaks my heart and makes me want to cry because it's so hateful right this wasn't like tom brenneman at the end of the red season this year he made a um homophobic slur and he was clearly trying to be funny or he was you know jesting with whoever was next to him it wasn't funny it was stupid as fuck um yeah but this one actually came from it, it felt like like 1930s down south just hateful yeah. aggressive violent and 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 sinister and i use sinister because it's because it's below the surface it's like that saying that you know monsters don't exist well they do exist they're all around us right um, I don't think that I've, I've ever experienced in my life, right? And I'm fortunate to have never experienced this, right? And unfortunately, you know, those in the BIPOC community have, have experienced this. But to see someone's true colors be shed away in the span of like a second when they open their mouth like that and, and such vile things come out of them. I don't know, man. I, I don't even know where to go with that. It's like this guy should should be banned from ever ever being on television again. Um Banned from ever being near near chi- children again, honestly. Right. right? Never yeah, being around that's children. That's big one. Never be in a position yeah. of influence. Never speak to anybody again. He should honestly, the more I'm talking about this, he should lose his ability to speak. 
Like, like literally <laughs> should lose his ability to speak. It's yeah. actually fucked. Um, the fact that he turned around and blamed it on diabetes just kind of further reinforces how dumb this guy is. Like, did he turn around and throw a dart at a, at a wall of excuses and he landed on blood sugar? Like, listen. Honestly, that's, that's pro- that would probably have resulted in a better outcome. Yeah, and I guess when you're a high school <laughs> basketball commentator, you don't have, like, the, the coin purse to pay for a, a PR agency. So I guess that's uh, that's where that comes from. Maybe he went home and said, this is what happened, this is what happened. And then his dumbass probably wife, who's probably as racist, said, just blame it. You know how you get when you got a little blood sugar? Blame it on that. I don't know. Yeah. But Honestly, that's, yeah, that's probably a fair, that's probably a fair. Right? These people are dumber, guess, than, right? Right? dumber than the yep. next, right? So yep. it's just really depressing, man. And um, I think not only, <laughs> not only should this gentleman be removed from, you know, any position of influence or any, any position where he can disseminate anything further. I don't care if it's, you know, his racial views, which are obviously like the worst or his favorite ice cream flavor. I don't want to know about anything about to do with this guy anymore. I never want to read his name after this, after we're done recording, but I I, I just, I don't know. I I think there needs to be further punishment for that because it was so hateful and there was such, uh, such toxins behind the words, right? Like what what more can be done? I'd like to have kind of a punitive justice end to this right just for people who are hurt yeah. but i think the people who are hurt by this again i can't speak right i need to listen um mm-hmm. when, when people of the bipoc community are 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 kind of attacked like that again i can't speak i have to listen but i i, I can't help but think that this gentleman needs to be held accountable publicly but again i just don't want to reopen that wound for racialized people yeah, I mean, the I don't know if there's definitely a right way on how that this can be handled. It's just it, it it's so sad to see, especially because, like you said, it's the fact that they're children. These are children too, right? Like there have been you know political unrest with the kneeling for several years from Colin Kaepernick kind of stuff. It's been something that has transcended all sports and and all genders, and it's. You know, it's the fact that they're children. They're children that are are trying to make a make a statement, and whether or not you agree with it or not agree with it, it's the fact that it brought out that level of anger and hatred, and it just shows you that there are real serious problems. You know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, in Canada too, we pretend like it's not here, but it is here as well. But that being said, it's you know. It, 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 it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I would love to, you know, make some jokes about what a fucking loser he is, and he is, but it, it's one of these ones where, I don't know, it just, be, especially because it was kids, it just left, like, Mm-mm. such a, just a sour, sour taste in my mouth, and, and I hate to, I hate to end an episode like this, because I had a lot of fun with you today, oh, Daniel. man, I had a blast. And I love doing this, um... You know, and I, I look forward to the times where we can talk about the good the good sides of sports. But like we said when we started this, if we're gonna talk about the good, we gotta talk about the jerks and mm-hmm. and highlight the shit that needs to change and, and this is one of them. Absolutely. So I know it's a somber ending to uh, what was actually a pretty jovial and we had a really good time today. We we're laughing our asses yes. off. Yes. Yeah. Blue Jays baseball. Yeah, we we're laughing our asses off. My dog was barking in the back, I'm gonna go kick him in the bum right now or better off go cuddle him go give him some attention um yeah but again you know educate yourselves don't be like this asshole right because when there's one asshole there's a hundred assholes there's a thousand assholes right it involves exponentially let's stop the chain of assholes the, the chain of bigotry and and learn from these terrible terrible examples right these aren't role models for a positive reason but maybe we can call them i don't know droll models i'm making shit up uh, i don't know they're they're they're, they're the how not to act 
So again, yeah. um, Sports Jerk supports anybody in the community that was hurt by that, but we thought we'd, uh, you know, it was our duty to bring that to the forefront. Matt Rowan, we know, and but we don't want you to be listening, but we know because now you're going to be sitting at home and thinking about what you've done. You're the jerk of the week. And I want to thank everybody. We're growing. Our Instagram is blowing up. I'm so happy. I get so happy on there. The comments are hilarious. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> um, again, yeah. I want everyone to revisit my Big Brother house idea. I still think it's going to be kind of my claim <laughs> to fame. I still think that's going to be like my big break. Um, but uh, we'll tune in next week. And Josh, thanks again, buddy. Happy Friday. D- Dan, happy Friday to you too. I heard we got some warm weather coming. I'm excited. We will see you, Jerky Crew, next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.